With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The transformational show about life, laughter, and the pursuit of happiness. Delivered by good people doing good business and good things. And I'm your host, Michelle Swinnick. We are your trustworthy resource for sharing personal stories and quality content conveyed with a hint of humor and a supersized side of sincerity. This is our signature segment, The Massey Memo, with our expert contributor, Robert Massey, attorney, solution provider, and protector of the people at Massey and Massey Attorneys at Law. Robert delivers the Massey Memo on the first and third Fridays of every month. His engaging and entertaining personality gives the boring law just the jolt it needs to make you want to tune in and learn to better play the hand you've been dealt in this game we call life. Enjoy the show. This is our expert contributor segment, The Massey Memo with Robert Massey, attorney, solution provider, and protector of the people at Massey and Massey Attorneys at Law. Robert will be delivering the Massey Memo on the first and third Fridays of every month. Today's topic, personal responsibility versus blaming corporations versus government control. First my joke, then on with the show. A fine is a tax for doing wrong, but a tax is a fine for doing well. And political parties are like toilet paper, and whichever side you select, you end up getting poop. I thought that was appropriate, especially the debate was this week. I was like, there's a lot of poop on that stage. <laughs> there's a lot of poop coming out of those mouths. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, those oh. are interesting. Uh, that's interesting television for sure. Oh, my goodness. the kind way to put it. Whatever they were saying, it's just the quote that I had written down is always so appropriate. What Ronald Reagan says, you know, the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. And we all know that is not the way to solve any of the problems or to move ahead. But yet everybody on that stage was hell-bent on taking taking more of your money and more of their money to go ahead and piss more of it away because they don't piss enough of it away. So I was like, oh, my yeah. God. I just – I had to turn it off. I just couldn't – I, uh, I, I wanted to get your, your feedback on it. I just wanted to bring this up because it was something that – when we were going to do the show last month, there was another debate. And when I looked at the notes to do it for this month, I was like, oh, my God, my comments were the same, but my thoughts were the same. This is the thing that I don't understand, and I, I would love to get your opinion. I have a thing. I have a feeling it's on the same page. All the people that are on the stage, even on the last one, there was like 45 of them, right? They're either currently in the House, they're currently in the Senate, or they have been in it for anywhere from – what, four, six, 30 years in the government. But yet they all have these grandiose solutions 
but yet I don't understand why they act like they just got there. You know what I mean? Like at least Donald <laughs> Trump can come up with these ideas and say, you know what, here's all my ideas to solve the problems because he wasn't in any of those roles before. So you could say, okay, well, at least he's got these ideas. Every one of them have already been doing this and what they are saying they're going to do, that's already their job description. So I don't understand how they they come up with these ideas, which they don't move forward or haven't moved forward in the past with, because that's their job, right? They're lawmakers. Mm-hmm. So if they're proposing new laws, how come they haven't moved any of this forward for the 30 some years that they've been there? Then they keep saying, Congress isn't doing anything, but they're in the Congress currently <laughs> or was in the past. So none of it makes any sense. Like I want to shake them and remind them, yeah, but this is what you do. Like you're there. Like, and you, <laughs> this is what you're supposed to do all day. So what are you doing? If It's like if I, if they said, well, oh, oh, if you got these great ideas, Michelle, well, then you go do it. Well, yeah, if I was if I was in that position, I would be going ahead and doing the, the job. But they they act like they just got there today. And they're like, I don't know what this whole Congress thing is, but I think I'd like to get there for the first time. You know what I mean? It just doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. Well, because oh. unfortunately, unfortunately, their job description has become career politician. And when you're oh. a career politician, all you're worried about is getting – you're not worried about what you're doing while you're in office. You're worried about staying in office. And so, I, I mean, the fact that I mean, I'm I'm at least a believer in in term limits for uh, for senators and congressmen. And I just I don't feel like that sh- you should be able to make a career out of that because if you're if you know you can only be there for whatever six or eight or ten years, whatever it might be, you're gonna want to at least try a lot harder to to do something and make an impact and you're not going to be as concerned of well I just need to be I keep needing to be reelected I keep needing to be reelected but that's what all these people and all the people that are in positions of power that's all they care about they just they, they want to make sure they don't do anything to to jeopardize being reelected which means voting on things you, you maybe not believe in and not doing and not pursuing things that you do believe in. And it's, it, the system has really become a, a, a shadow of itself and really what I think it, it was meant to be. The fact that people can become career politicians to me is I, – I, I don't get that. I, I don't – I think that is completely, completely counterintuitive to what needs to be done and what, what should be done. I, I hate it. <laughs> but I completely, I completely agree with you. These people that have been there for 30 years, they're talking about all these things they're going to do, but nothing gets done. And it's because either they are the ones not getting it done because they're worried about being reelected or the people that they need to be on their side worried about being reelected so they won't support them. And it's, it, it's just kind of broken at this point. Well, and it's, it's all based on agendas and money. It, it has gone past the point of anybody – that actually wants to accomplish something that's in the good behalf of the people. Because if that was the case, not one person would say, I'm going to take more money from you. I'm actually going to stop spending it. So I'm just waiting for that one person to say, you know what, we spend too much. And we we have, you know, they they have a whole department called waste, fraud, fraud and abuse. But yeah, nobody nobody talks about that. So it's like the whole thing is warped. But at the end of the day, like if, the reason part of why I brought this up, if our topic, part of it is personal responsibility, 
Well, we, as the American people, we vote these people back in over and over and over. And it's the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So at what point do we need to take some sort of accountability for allowing these crazy people to continually stay there and spend all of our money and cause problems and not get anything accomplished? There's definitely, uh, it's it, certainly an element of that. Absolutely. A couple of things. There's a, there's certain areas where you got somebody that's won this congressman that's won this district for the last 20 years, and everybody in that district just says, well, there's no way that anybody's going to beat him, and so nobody even runs against them. A lot of these guys run unopposed, or if they have an opposition, there's just, the guy's got no shot to begin with because this guy's a 20-year congressman with real money behind him. And it's just unrealistic that, that anyone can beat him. And I think the other problem is, is, I mean, name some of the best and brightest currently in the United States that are sitting there and saying, well, I want to be involved in politics. I want to, I want to do, they don't. That's what, that's right. what it used to be. Right. That's what it used yeah. to be. But the system has become such a mess that, these people are like, well, the hell with that. I, I don't I don't even want to get into that arena because it's such a disaster. And a lot of them know I can have more influence from the outside than the inside. So why would I exactly. even put myself through that? Exactly. That's like Oprah. Yeah. Oprah is like, why do you want me to run? Then I can't get anything done. I have to waste all this money on a campaign and all the time and effort and just get slaughtered by people um, when I can exactly. do more. By creating and dealing with my foundations and my platform and my messaging and my shows. So what's the, why would I do that? I can accomplish more than in a week than these people do in their entire term. So yes, absolutely. I, I, and look, look, I mean, my dad could have run for governor in Nevada and was asked several times um, by very prominent, powerful people to run for governor of Nevada, and he would have won in a second. Oh yeah, but definitely. Every time, every time he just said, "Well, why would I want to put myself through that when I can I, to put myself through the criticism and I can help more people doing what I'm doing than I can in that position? So what? Why would I even? Why would I do it? And I, I think that that's the real problem. I mean, one of the one of the bigger problems is you just have. So what you're left with are people that are really just kind of they're looking for a powerful position. They want to be in a position <laughs> of power. And that's, that's, that's the impetus for running, which is certainly not the intent of the system. <laughs> or it is, as I look at it, they want they need a job, but they don't want to work. So if you want to get paid very well, like 180 grand a year of hardly work, I mean, physically have to be at locations because you, and everything is paid for, well then run for Congress because <laughs> you get all these great perks and you obviously don't have yeah. to do anything. And you have a staff that yeah. pushes around the paper and maybe says something that you have to do, but you literally don't have to work. So and as, as they do all these sideshows, it's almost it, it's almost like they keep creating more things as an excuse not to actually have to do something. And then they always like to say, oh, well, you know, we can walk and chew gum. <laughs> you can't even do either, no less at the same time. <laughs> Come on, people. It's like a, It's like a criminal, right? Some of these criminals out there that they are just so crafty and they're so ingenious 
about how they go about doing what they do. And then you go, God, if they only use those qualities for good, like if you used your forces <laughs> for good, you could actually be a millionaire, like a legitimate yeah, one. Absolutely. You wouldn't have to do these shady things that you're coming up with. But that's what they remind me of, that they, they, they do anything possible in order to not have to work. And it's just, it blows my mind, blows my mind. But, you know, I'm not, I don't see it getting any better, unfortunately, I guess. Somebody is going to have to, one of the good people is going to have to come from the private sector and step, start stepping into these roles and kind of suck it up for the team. But I don't know if your dad couldn't do it. I don't think I could do it. I don't know if they're, I don't think you would do it and put up with it. So it's uh, it's going to take a certain interesting personality. And I've, I mean, I've dabbled with the idea here and there and really just come to the same conclusion that, that my dad did. And I mean, I'm obviously in a different position than he was where he was pretty much guaranteed he was going to win where I obviously wouldn't be there, but I, I just have gone through and just said, well, why would I, why am I going to put myself through this? Why am I going to put my family through this? And, and it, you know, I, I think a lot of idealistic people say they're going to go into the system and change it. And when you have these people that are in positions of power that have been there for such a long time, thinking one person can go in and just change it is, it, it's just a, a little bit of a fantasy. Yeah, um, I agree. Because you just you just can't. You get you get caught up. You get you end up getting caught up in the same system because you're like, well, I can't get anything done, so you know I might as well play ball here. And then all of a sudden, you become what you what you came in to kind of go up against. So it's uh, it's an interesting uh, an interesting phenomenon, and it, I think especially over the next twenty or thirty years will be interesting because. I I just can't imagine people going into college in their 20s right now that are thinking, oh, man, I want a career in politics. You need to be a special type of person. Yeah, like an extreme narcissist. A narcissist who doesn't (laughs) want to work but wants to get paid well. Yeah. Well, you know, it's almost like they end up being followers rather than leaders. And it bothers me that they call themselves leaders because they're not leaders. They're not leaders at all. They just have to be, they're in a position of power. And there's a difference between being in a position of power and being an actual leader. And I don't see anyone there that I can say, you know, that is a true leader, somebody that I, uh, that I could say, I, I admire their personalities and their, their, their intentions and their integrity. And I just, I don't see that. I don't see a leader. One other thing, and then we'll get on with this, but here's the other thing that I don't understand. They always say that they, they're public servants, and this is our public duty, and we're, we're public servants. To me, a public servant is somebody who is in a, like more of a volunteer capacity. They're actually doing some sort of service. For somebody who gets paid 180 grand a year, phenomenal health care, ex- unbelievable benefits. Everything is paid for. You're constantly home every other weekends, which means you're flying all over the country. I believe they don't even pay for haircuts. And I can only imagine the uh, expense reports that they have. So I don't, I think they need to stop saying that. I wish people would challenge them on that when they say, like if they're in an interview, thank you for your service. No, no, you didn't serve. You got paid a hell of a lot more money than somebody in the private sector. There is no service there, and it is certainly not a volunteer basis. So once they volunteer again and there is no salary or perks, then I think they can earn the, I am um, doing my public service as a public servant. So I, um, that, is my, that is my pet peeve when they, they throw that around. You know what I mean? They do like oh. to throw it around quite a bit. Quite oh, a bit. yeah. It's, uh... Well, it, 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 
Not right. I mean, somebody who serves. And you're not serving. You're not serving the public. There's what? Yeah. <laughs> they're not serving. They're not serving the public. Oh no, they're, they're screwing their, the their public. They're not constituents. <laughs> they're they screwing the public, and they're not they're not serving anybody. But that is that is actually true. It's part of the whole picture of like we were talking about the topic of today: the personal responsibility, government control. And then we'll, we'll bring in the blaming the corporations. And, and I did I did a bunch of research for this, Robert, this show today, because some of it has okay. to do with, yes, I, I've got statistics. A lot of the stuff I was not that familiar with until they start talking about it. So I really, I did a little deep dive, but the information that I got yesterday, I thought you would be very impressed with because it, it talks about the malpractice show that we did a couple months ago, and I know how you love the malpractice side of things. Um, <laughs> we're going to get into that a little bit, and I think it's fascinating, and I'm, I'm interested in hearing your opinion when we get there. But just to give the audience a rundown, what I did was I kind of made a list of categories and industries with this topic in mind of the personal responsibility, the blaming the corporations and the government control. And these are the ones that are talked about in the news, like all the time, which is kind of amazing that this is all of these are happening all at the same time. So you've got health insurance, opioids, vaping and tobacco, student loans, mortgages, home loans, social media, news, fact, fiction, opinion. You've got taxes and government spending. And then, as we were talking about earlier, the electing the politicians, they call them promises. I say AKA lies. We're talking about their, their credibility, their, as I say, their resumes, which they're very lacking or even uh, their reality, and I compare it to that, that they don't use the same calculators that you and I do. I picked out three that I thought were going to be the most relevant based on topics that we've gone over in the past, stuff that I know that you have a little bit of a passion for, especially from the legal side of things. Let's start with opioids, vaping and tobacco, and student loans. I think over time, we'll go through some of the other ones in other episodes, but I think those were three good ones to start with. The whole personal responsibility concept is really what this whole Massey Memo segment is about. And I want people to keep in mind that the less personal responsibility that people take, the more that you need to have, because if there's more exposure to more risk in all aspects of your life, there is more room for all kinds of things in addition to everything costing more. Right, Robert? I mean, that's the stuff that we've you've encouraged and we've talked about on the show before where there's risk exposure and you have to be prepared for certain things. And if more people are less prepared, that means they even have to be more prepared for things to come down the, down the road, which you, you know what will happen eventually, correct? Absolutely. I mean, the perfect example of something we've talked about many times is uh, just car insurance. People driving around with no car insurance and they and you haven't gone through the appropriate and they had your own personal responsibility and making sure that if that happens, you're fully covered and somebody hits you with no car insurance. And now all of a sudden you, you have all you have injuries, damages, you're missing work. You're out you hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, but there's no coverage there to, to help you out on your side or on their side. And so it's, uh, it, it certainly puts the impetus, more on you, more on the individual to, to just know that, look, this is the reality of the world. And, and especially nowadays, piece of people trying to not have, having less personal responsibility, trying to pass the buck off to, to other people. And if you're not prepared for that, unfortunately, sometimes, many times, 
their lack of personal responsibility is is the reason why you're impacted much more and they're not really impacted at all because they just go about their lives and to say, oh, oh, well. And so it absolutely puts the impetus more on people to be aware of that and to plan for it, unfortunately. I'm sure that you've seen a, a rise in, in issues where there are people taking less accountability and probably is a trend in the future. So, uh, you know, these are all things that when we get busy, we don't think about because we're going our day to day and we're doing all that. But overall, there's got to be, you got to have your own checks and balances, whether it's something that you that you take a look at every six months or once a year or something from car insurance to just everything else. I just see that there's going to be a lot more risk and expense for the, the good people out there that are trying to do what's right. So ah, food for thought, big, big changes going on in the world. Uh, and it only just costs more money. I hate to keep bringing up the money part, but you know, that's like anything else. So those costs go up. It's got to come from somewhere. So, and I don't see that, that changing anytime soon. So let's get into opioids. This actually covers all three, the personal responsibility. And in this case, there is a lot of blame for these corporations. It sounds like there wasn't really a lot of government control, which I don't want to say that that's why things got out of control. Because, you know, whenever government gets in and they overstep or they get their hand in the cookie jar, bad things happen. And I'll give you a perfect example. In the list that I started off in the beginning, the three major ones, are what the government got their hand in. And all three of them have are completely in a mess or had a major, major catastrophe in those industries in the past, and like mortgages. So mortgages, student loans, and health insurance. The government got involved in all those. And look at the state of all them. Obviously, right now, mortgages are okay, but not so much 2008. So the other two, health insurance, student loans, they got their hands in there, try to change things, control things, and... Both of her a mess. The government got their hands in opioids too, and, and look what it's done. It's done nothing. It's done absolutely. I mean, they made changes to the Controlled Substance Act. There's all these new regulations for doctors and what they have to do to prescribe these medications, do all these different things. Have you noticed a decrease of stories on opioid deaths? Because I haven't. Anything, no, and that's I've the thing that's. Increase. I think maybe it was like a year or two ago is when they really started, you started hearing about it on the news. And I'm thinking to myself, opioids. The only thing, and I wasn't putting, because I don't have opioids. I've not been on opioids. I don't have anyone in my, my circle that had had an issue with them. So I was like, opioid. I'm thinking like opium, like an opium den. You know what I mean? That's the first thing you think is when yeah. you get an opioid. And I said, well, then, because then they're saying people are ODing. So I'm thinking like it's heroin. So that, are they, they just shooting up with heroin what is this whole opioid thing? Well, then I looked up what opioids really are. And then, you know, the fentanyl, which is, that's the thing that I don't understand that, that, that is a whole nother category on its own, but the opioids, because they throw them all in the same mix, the heroin, the fentanyl, and then the, the prescription opioids, they all throw them into the one basket of opioids. So that's kind of almost yeah, a little misleading, all, but it's all, all it's, uh, it's all bad stuff. All I mean, this stuff is too. Yeah, they're all, it's high octane stuff. So it's the Oxycontin, the Vicodin is in there, morphine is thrown in. So it's all stuff that you really should not be taking or mixing with anything, whether it's legal, meaning with a prescription or heroin, heroin where you got to get it on the street. Because so I just couldn't understand that like, people are OD and I'm like, so they just keep taking it all day, but it's the mixing that it's, you know, as, as it became more prevalent and it was more explained in the news. And that's when you're saying, oh, okay, because when, 
you're saying that somebody would never expect to have an that were overdosed. I'm thinking they're just shooting up heroin all day. But then when it's the combination of just almost like sleeping pills, that's when everything got out of control. And in January 2019, 130 people a day are dying in these overdoses. But a lot of the communities that they were having major issues with are poor communities or I'm not joking about it. But did you see the God, what should, I can't think of his name. The uh, the comedian who just did that Netflix comedian deal. Dave Chappelle. Dave, Dave Chappelle. Yeah, sorry. I didn't expect to think about it. Did you see the one he, on the Hidden <laughs> Yeah, and he compared it to the crack epidemic. I'm not joking about the issue, but the way that he presented it, where the crack issue was with the black community, and now the opioid mm-hmm. issue is with the white community. He really did yeah, it. He did a great job uh, kind of putting it into kind of perspective, which was funny. Like you said, we're not making light of the issue, but we can't make the show serious the whole time. Otherwise, uh, you know, <laughs> that's a little difficult. But in this situation, the doctors were prescribing these things like out of control. And there were there was one town that the amount of pills that were being shipped there was like 100 times more than the amount of people. And all of this came from Purdue, the company that really did misrepresent the addictive meth levels of what the actual drug was capable of. And that's the one that is that recently declared bankruptcy just to protect their that money that they did have left. Purdue knew the issues for years. For, I mean, this has been going on since the mid-90s. And Purdue knew the issues for years and had the technology to make a different formula of their drug because their drug was being misused by people. Their main drug was OxyContin. OxyContin is a time-release medication, which means you take the medication and it releases into your body slowly over the course of six to eight hours. The reason why people were dying was people would – you could wipe off the time release off of the pill, smash up the pill, and then snort it. So then people were all of a sudden getting 20, 40, 80 milligrams at one time instead of getting it over six to eight hours. Well, Purdue had the technology for years to make a formula of this pill that wouldn't allow it to be crushed up, wouldn't allow the time release to be wiped off. So they could have removed that issue. So people wouldn't be able to snort it, would have saved lives. But at the end of the day, that was going to affect Purdue's bottom line. So Purdue waited till it was at crisis mode and until, I don't remember the exact year, I want to say 2010 or two, I can't remember what the article I read, but 2010, they, they finally made a new formula where if someone tried to do that, they, so they turned into some weird, so I don't know what happened to it, but you couldn't, you couldn't crush it up and snort it anymore. Is that going to solve the problem? No, it's not going to problem, but it's certainly a step in the right direction. It's certainly something that could have been done much earlier and maybe saved a lot of lives. And, and But corporations, that's not what they're built. I mean, look, look you look at the Fortune 500. I mean, a good portion of the top 100, I think something like 80%, I want to say, of the top 100 companies are pharmaceutical companies. They're not there. They're not there because they're thinking about our well-being. I assure you of that. It's the last thing on their mind. I mean, they make up diseases and make up drugs for those diseases, so we'll buy them. And the other part about this, too, getting into the, the government control of things, I mean, there are studies out there 
an article that I've read that when it comes to opioids, one of the biggest prescriber of opioids is the VA. Ah, uh, yeah. Remember those me, guys? They were they were giving them just bags of pills. They would leave there and like forty different prescriptions of stuff. Yeah. Exactly, because they don't, you know, they don't know what to do with these guys when they get back from war. Obviously, there are issues that need to be addressed when the when these brave men and women come back from war and they just throw everything at them. You know, so there there that certainly is a way that the government is definitely not helping and, and going against really the regulations they've tried to instill over the past couple of years with the changes to the Controlled Substance Act. And really what I've seen, because I do represent a lot of different doctors and, and deal with a lot of different doctors in a business capacity, and when I've talked to them, they've said, look, the, the people, and this gets into the personal responsibility side of it, the people that want the drugs and are taking them because they're looking to get high – these, these laws haven't done anything. The, the, the way the law, these new regulations in the, in the Controlled Substance Act have really only affected the people that actually need these medications. Mm-hmm. It's made mm-hmm. their lives more difficult. It's made them have to seek alternative methods and seek different things because there's so many obstacles to them now getting these medications. In looking at personal responsibility versus corporations versus government control in the context of opioids, I, I really think there's a lot of equal blame to go around all three. I mean, look, at the end of the day, you're, you're a, a human being. You control what goes in your body, and you have, mm-hmm. to, you have to take responsibility for that. Unfortunately, in a lot of cases, if a doctor tells you, hey, take this, you have a doctor telling you. I mean, look, if you have, a, if you have the flu and the doctor gives you something for the flu, you say, oh, perfectly fine. My doctor gave it to me. And it's the same kind of thing. A doctor gave me this. I, this should, should be fine. At no point are you thinking, well, I'm going to take this and, and then I'm going to get hooked on it. And then I, I can't get out. And then it's this whole rabbit hole <laughs> that people fall mm-hmm. down. But there's still, you know, at the end of the day, you can't take away some type of personal responsibility because it's something you're putting in your body. And unfortunately, nowadays, trusting, a, just fully trusting a doctor or anyone without having a little bit of your own knowledge is a dangerous thing to do. But between that and the fact that the corporations really just don't care, they just don't care. It's just that simple. I mean, they're, they're worried about their bottom line and that's that. That's all they're worried about. Yeah. And the government uh-huh. that is taking half measures to do something about this. But the, the issue is, is it's been going on for so long. I, I started hearing stories about this as a kid on the news. I mean, this has been going on since the 90s. Certainly, it's on a much wider scale at this point, but it's been going on for so long. There's so much money in it. There's so much money in the creation of the drugs, the prescribing of the drugs, the doctors that are giving the drugs, the rehabilitation to get the people off the drugs, the drugs that help people get off the drugs. I mean, there's so many arms in this now that to try and unravel it all and really do something meaningful it's a very it's almost impossible uh, yeah you chip off portions of it but even at that point it upsets somebody who's got a connection to something or other and then it's just you're you know you're you're rocking the boat and you get that look and then you're like oh i better not bring that up again in the next meeting then I want to get your opinion on this, and it was on yesterday, I was watching Mornings with Maria, and Judge Napolitano came on, and they were talking about the lawsuit in Ohio 
with the county government against the manufacturers and distributors and everybody in what they called it a chain of responsibility for these opioids. And they're in the process right now of an $18 million settlement so it doesn't go to court and cost extra money. Purdue Pharma was a defendant, but they claimed bankruptcy, so then now they're technically out of it in that role. The money that is going to go to the actual plaintiff is not the people, it's the government, because the government has then said they've incurred costs from these people who have died in the amount of $18 billion. So they're not obligated to give any money to the victims of the families. The money will then just go back to the government from the pharma. The people in the chain from the person who created it to the before the end user. So technically, it's just a wealth transfer from companies to the government. No people are going to be compensated. The thing that was very interesting that I want your opinion on, and you'll probably say, and I told you so, the government can obviously do whatever they want with the money because these are not class action suits. The plaintiffs are the state government. Well, somebody brought up, well, what about the liability? What about how does this all work? They said, well, all of the people included into putting something into the stream of commerce is part of the liability. Those are all going to be the defendants. They were part of that chain of responsibility. But ironically, the only people not included in that are the doctors and the physicians. So they are exempt from this entire lawsuit that is going to be the first one that is going to have obviously probably set the precedence. I thought, I'm like, aha, Robert, and the land of the malpractice. So <laughs> I will let you comment never, on my nice setup for you there. Don't uh, ever underestimate the power of lobbyists. It's a group of people that we don't see but have a great effect on our everyday life. And doctors and pharmacies, they have amazing lobbyists and they pay a lot of money for them. And that is the main reason why they're not included. The other reason why is, you know, doctors is the malpractice side of things and what we've talked about before and them being, you know, them being uh, – protected by those malpractice statutes and the, the fact of it being included underneath those state statutes. This is obviously a federal, a federal type of action. So there really isn't an avenue for the government, and I'm sure this is why it was chosen to be filed this way and done this way, for the government to get at these doctors without a breach of a federal law. And those are individual case-by-case basis, bases that would have to be put into this lawsuit, which just causes more trouble. And, and unfortunately, a lot of these doctors that were doing what they were doing and had these – like if you had a doctor basically running a pill factory, not even looking at the patients and writing prescriptions, sure, you could, you could get them under the Controlled Substance Act, but a lot of these doctors weren't violating anything. They were, there was no federal law in place they were violating. A guy but they knew there was a said, problem. Hey, but they oh, no, knew. 100%. 100% I mean, come on. Knew. Yeah. No, they, they, they 100% knew, but they also knew they weren't in violation of anything. Right. The guy came to him and said, my arm hurt. Okay, here's some OxyContin. Have a good day. He's, he's got a record of it, and, and now every, he gives them a prescription. Everything's fine. Everything's above board based off of – previous versions of the Controlled Substance Act. And I don't want to act like I'm an expert at the Controlled Substance Act. This is just my understanding. That is a combination of, of lobbyists. That's a combination of the doctors being prote- so well protected. And it's a combination of 
the government falling down on the job in a lot of ways and not you know doing more to stop this earlier. And also, I just want to say, I hope no one's fooled by the fact that Purdue Pharmacy filed for bankruptcy. I mean, them filing for bankruptcy is just solely limiting the amount of their exposure. But I can assure you that the owners of Purdue, the people behind Purdue, will just pop up in another company. Yeah, and their money and is safe. Not- and yeah, people think that when you call, you file bankruptcy, like after complete decimation, and you're standing there in the middle of the street with the only clothes you have are on your back. It's just a tool that is used yeah. to restructure debt and reallocate liabilities. So okay. it's a great tool when you need it. It's not something where somebody is you know destitute. Uh, living under a bridge that absolutely. rarely happens. Yeah. <laughs> that rarely absolutely. happens. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think the not to skip ahead here, but I, I think a more interesting thing to say about government, the, the government control, is in the vaping and tobacco area because that is very interesting to me. More on the vaping side because you have an industry that look we. You guys already went through this, through the 80s and the 90s. All we heard about is big tobacco, big tobacco. Ads, I remember as a kid, I'd see cigarette ads everywhere. The Marlboro Man, the Camel Guy, they were everywhere. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, they were nowhere, okay? But then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, a product comes on the market that nobody knows what's in it. Nobody. The, The companies can't even tell you what's in it. And if they give you a list of it, you couldn't pronounce two of the ingredients. But we know that it is a tobacco derivative. But And somehow they're able to advertise. Somehow all of a sudden I'm seeing television ads for these things. Somehow they're able to be everywhere, be marketed to kids, all this kind of stuff. And it, it got very confusing to me. And anytime I saw one, I would turn to my wife and be like, I don't understand. I don't – I don't – I genuinely <laughs> what am is going on? about yeah. this. How is this happening? We've lived this already. We've seen this story play out already. Well, how how are they sneaking under the rug here? And there must have been some type of loophole. I'm not familiar with it. I, do, I don't know specifically how they were able to do that. But if that's ever an example of something where the – I mean the government already knew. They, they knew this issue. They've been through this issue. They've handled it before. And then to just allow this to take off to now being in the position where we are now, where all of a sudden, you know, we're starting to get health cases and they're on the news and people are finally looking at this ridiculous liquid that they're putting in their body every day and saying, well, maybe this, maybe this isn't good for me. (laughs) This is a bad idea. Well, like at no point, at no point, any, but nobody thought like, Let's take a look at this. <laughs> like, huh. I mean, look, at the end of the day, if if we're – at the end of the day, and this is, again, where the personal responsibility side comes into it. At the end of the day, if we're looking for the government and corporations to look out for our own best interests, we're in some serious trouble. We're in some <laughs> exactly. really serious trouble. Exactly. Because those well, are two giant entities that could care less. <laughs> Well, if, if they only put that warning label on, then I wouldn't have done it. Damn it! I've needed that label. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't think that that's what people are thinking. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you know, look if if you know what's in it and you put it in your body, oh, that you know that's on you. But the fact that 
I mean, legitimately, nobody knew, nobody still knows, really, what's, what, what this stuff really is, these little cartridges of liquid. And they were allowed to advertise. They were allowed to go everywhere. No regulate, no nothing. And yeah. I'm not saying more government regulation, more government, but it's like there, there is a certain degree of, okay, we've seen this before. Let's take the proper steps, not, well, let's let this blow out of proportion again and then just have to clean up the mess all over again like we did before. And that's the point where we're at. It's like, all right, do we, do we ever learn? Do we ever learn from our mistakes? Do you, do you, is there any, any sense of any type of accountability from people? And it goes back to what we were talking about before. Is these people's eyes aren't on the ball. It's, they're just not. They, their eyes are on getting reelected yeah. and making sure they do what they have to. So it's, and I mean, also on this side with the corporations that put this stuff out, they're certainly just like the drug companies, you know, have uh, certainly have some responsibility in it because they they knew what they were putting out wasn't. Yeah, they wasn't knew. They knew. Great to be ingested, and again. Is that the truth? Yeah, absolutely. But it's the truth. It's always going to be the truth. It's always going to be the truth. And you can go to any any corporation, any company, whether it's harmful or not. Do you? Is a Rolex going to make you happier? No. And Rolex knows you that knows that. But they also going to come in and you're going to spend thousands of dollars on a watch, and who cares? Because they're getting the money anyways. And is that harming you? Not necessarily. No, it's not really harming your body. But I mean, that's just. But Robert, is, if you gave me a Rolex, I'd be very happy. So I would. <laughs> I would say, <laughs> if you wanted to send me one, I would do. A, I would. I would post a very nice, happy picture with a very big smile. So, I, I maybe we should use a different analogy because yes, I know well, yes, that would that be. Would I would be, be very that, happy. <laughs> I yes, but that's because I'm giving it to you. Rolex ain't giving those things away. No, no, so. no, no. But the, the end user is very happy. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's yeah, I mean that that's the purpose of the corporation. They're there to make money and they don't care how it affects you. They could care less because they're putting the impetus on you. You know, recently um about a week and a half ago um the you know, we had that horrible tragedy here in Vegas that uh, two years ago on October 1st with the mass shooting and I actually had a I have a client that that was shot several times and uh they came out and they announced that they, they settled this this group claim of all the claimants. It, it, there was a big deal made of what MGM did and and how it was a great showing of corporate citizenship and and in one sense I I absolutely agree with that. I 100% agree with that. It, it is an example of a corporation Actually caring, caring about a community. I mean, MGM is the cornerstone of the Las Vegas community, So, and they've been for 70 years. It is a rare example of a corporation doing the right thing because I'll be the first one to say that would, be, that would have, those would have been heavily litigated cases, heavily, heavily litigated cases because there's certainly arguments on both sides. But also when you say that, you also have to think – I'm sure that that was a big priority to them to get this settled, to let the community move on. But you certainly also have to know their main priority is looking after their company and looking oh, after yeah. their bottom yeah. line. It's 
the reputation. I mean, I mean it's and more PR than it, anything else. Exactly. And I, so, I mean, that's what I mean when I say it's every corporation. And look, in a lot of ways, there, there's absolutely nothing wrong with I'm a capitalist. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're running a business, your main priority has got to be that bottom line, 100%. But it can't be the bottom line in exchange for people's health, in exchange for people's lives. Right, there's a line. In exchange for – so there's certainly – there certainly, certainly is a line. And there are companies that choose to observe it, and there's companies that don't. But don't ever get confused with the fact that there is one priority in a business, and that's the first – priority that they're always going to look at. So at least if you know that, and it goes back to what you said before, less personal responsibility on their side means more on yours. You've got to be aware of these things. You have to understand these things and, and just know what to look for and know that there are things to look for because just kind of taking things on blind faith, whether it's from a doctor, whether it's from a company, whether it's from anywhere, it's just not the, it's certainly uh going to lead to not some great results. I want to go back to the dual thing to segue what you're talking about right now. The thing that most alarmed me when you're seeing it on the news and they're talking about all these issues is that a majority of the problems are with kids. So then I'm thinking, where the hell are the parents? So you mean to tell me you got kids in high school and you don't know that they're doing this? Then I looked at the statistics because they're talking about kids. I said, how is this possible? I'll just give them some numbers to put in perspective. And I was going to ask you because I know that your kids are not in that high school age, but they're headed there. So in 2011, there was 220,000 people or kids that were actually, uh, look at them, listen to my phone. Sorry about that audience. So 220,000 people in 2011 that were in kids in high school, 2018, 3 million. And now as of September of 2019, it's 3.96 million kids in high schools. That's one out of four kids in high school are vaping. And that's the first thing I thought was, where are the parents? How is this? In, what are they doing? In, so, and if they're vaping, they're doing it all day. So they're doing it in the classroom or they're doing it. They all go into the bathroom together. I mean, thinking to myself, when do you have time to do this? So personal responsibility, not only the person, but where are the adults in the room? So that's the part I was well, like, you've got to be kidding me. This is insane. How could you not just yank that from your kid? And these kids have been doing it for a couple of years is what you find out. Yeah, I mean, 100%. And there, I mean, that time in memoriam, you know, there's certainly been not enough parenting in those situations for sure in many cases. I mean, I think my only counter to that would be how many things in high school did you do that your parents didn't know about? I know not, I but not vaping. You ever seen somebody vape? Yeah, so. I was in a car. I was in the person next to me in their car vaped. I swear to God, it was like a dragon shot out all this smoke, and like the whole the whole car got pulled up. I said, "What the hell's going on?" My friend goes, "That's one of those vaping things." I said, "Get out of here!" He said, "No, it's like a dragon." I couldn't even imagine my lungs could handle that much smoke to get it out to make it look like that. And I said, "This, uh, it's not something that's on the down low where you know, a little cigarette or something that you know you might not see some smoke." So you know, the personal responsibility. I don't know what these parents are doing nowadays. I hope to God that your kids' generation, their parent, those parents are a little bit more paying attention than the, the group that's dealing with the high school kids now. Because if they can't handle that, then what else are these parents not doing so that these kids are doing things that they shouldn't be, not to mention the whole other things that we could go into detail about, the, the education system and the brainwashing of the children 
in the wrong direction. So, I mean, you know, the, the amount of yeah, material that we have for future episodes, Robert, is, is amazing. Yeah, so we'll definitely cover that because we're on the same page there. And your kids are at the age where they're really, I mean, you can only imagine what some of these homework assignments that they come home with, or they tell you what they learned in school today and your head probably explodes. It is pretty interesting how the education system has, has changed. And I, you know, I, uh, I have family that's in the education, has been in the education system for 30 years, 40 years. So, I, you know, I having that perspective as well is extremely interesting to to hear about. And uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, my young, my oldest daughter is just getting to the point where she's really starting to get you know a good amount of homework, getting into the other subjects. My my two youngest are are too young; they just bring home pictures to color and stuff like that. So it's we're getting into it. And They're it's safe. Pretty, uh, it's, They're- they're safe. They're safe for right yeah. now. It's the older one we gotta worry about. We gotta, you gotta take her out. When she comes home, you gotta, you'd like disinfectant her from all the stuff she learned in school today, and then teach her the right way to do things. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Funny. Yeah. Well, I know Robert, you gotta go. So we we gotta cut the show, but we didn't get to the student loan portion. But we'll bring that up in another segment. That is, I want to apologize for us not being on our first and third Fridays. We just both had. Quite a few things going on, but everything is back on track. So we, I'm going to apologize for the both of us for not being our personal responsibility, which is to always exactly. show up. Right? And I'm, I'm like, wait, we're, we're talking about that today, and we've been slacking on what we said we were going to do. So I promise we are on board moving forward. My whole patriotic purpose-driven platform is finished. Robert's got his projects finished, so we are on board 100% committed. So anything else you want to add, Robert, before you got to go? No, I will. I will back up your apology. I do. Uh, I apologize as well. It has been a little bit, but uh, happy, happy to be back. It's it's fun to be back. It's always fun to do these episodes. And again, Massey and Massey, seven zero two eight seven zero eleven hundred for uh, any of the any of the topics we've discussed. You know, in previous uh, episodes, personal injury, business, real estate, will, trust, and estate. We are here to help for whatever you need. And thank you, Michelle. Always fun. Hey, you're welcome. And you can always go to everythinghometalkshow.com. Robert's got his own page on there with all past episodes, contact information, and all the rest of the shows and our entire patriotic purpose-driven platform. Swinnick and Messy out! Another great episode with my good friend, Robert Massey. Robert will be delivering the Massey Memo on the first and third Fridays of every month. All of our guests and experts' information in their shows are listed on our website, everythinghometalkshow.com. We encourage you to check it out and begin to use it as a resource to meet, hire, and learn from good people doing good business and good things. Just click anywhere on their banners and enjoy the show. You can also listen and subscribe to Everything Home on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and Blog Talk Radio. We're making it very easy and convenient for you to listen to us and enhance the quality of your life. And remember to like and follow Everything Home Talk Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And feel free to send us an email or message on which topics you want to hear about and which guests you want to learn from. I appreciate you listening. Make it a great day, everybody. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family 
cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.